0: Gamer girls, gamer boys, gamer dogs, and gamer kitties. In this episode of the podcast, we got another curated list of news on what happened in the game space this week. This one's a doozy, folks. We got several gameplay showcases for anticipated titles, new games revealed, rumblings of upcoming announcements, ooh, it's exciting, record-breaking sales, animated series teasers, and a whole lot more. So let's just get into it, shall we? Starting off with number one, we got Marvel's Avengers War Table presentation. So, the War Table presentation had a lot to say. They shared some story details about, you know, the subject material on what's going on with this particular Avengers story. So, the story details are about the scientific company called AIM, who makes robots for security when the Avengers, you know, in this specific story, uh, turn their backs on society or whatever. And, like, they basically got staged as being the bad guys. And so one of the founders of AIM has an obsession with control and turns into this old Marvel villain called MODOK. He seems really cool. I'm not a comic book kind of guy. Yeah, this old villain, old Marvel villain named MODOK is a uh, a classic one. He was in comics books dating back to the 60s and 70s. He's got this huge head. He just he's like a comparable villain to like someone like Mr. Negative in Spider-Man. You know, he's not the forefront villain of what you think of like a Marvel villain is but he's one that can be showcased to those who might not be aware that's what I thought Mr. Negative did a really good job in Spider-Man because he was like the forefront of the the marketing in Spider-Man so MODOK might be that for Marvel's Avengers so we got lengthy gameplay footage of single-player hero mission with Thor this game has a certain look I really am interested to get a feel for like the gameplay and like actually play it because the gameplay just has this I don't know it's like an unpolished but it is polished this game's weird all right so the lengthy gameplay of Thor they showed a lot of combat moves Thor was throwing hammers he was bringing down lightning on enemies beating robots with his hammer he was flying around he was doing these crazy finishing moves the enemy design that he was killing these robots who were, like, the same robot every single time. It was it was kind of similar to a uh, Destiny-esque, whether, like, you're shooting down the same robot faction or whatever. But the Marvel's Avengers story sets it up so perfectly and eloquently that, like, it's basically what you're supposed to be doing in the game. Because going back to the subject material of the story, like, AIM, the scientific company... Makes like dozens and dozens of robots who are like the quote unquote security of the world. So there's gonna be thousands of these rebel security like robots who are gonna be the enemies of the game. I can't really blame the enemy design. There was like a little robot, there's a bigger robot, and then there's like these crane robots. I don't know, they're just bigger ones. So it felt a little lacking in that space, but moving on, we saw some skill tree systems which looked really promising. And so with each character that you will be able to play in Marvel's Avengers, they'll have this skill tree like every other game does nowadays. But the cool thing about this skill tree is that it offers some classic moves going back to like comic books and like movies that inspired this game. And so these classic moves will be uh, more and more like a part of your arsenal when you're going into these missions as you progress through the story in the game. So, they also showed three heroic moves that charge up during combat. So, the three sections of the moves are assault, ultimate, and support moves. These were, like, flashy, bombastic moves akin to, like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance uh, in a sense that, like, the moves were really flashy. They were really huge. Like, they killed a ton of enemies. They took up the whole entire screen. It was just like a... It's like a final smash, you know? But each character has three different ones and they just charge up during combat and stuff it's it looks pretty cool going back to that ultimate alliance comparison i feel like marvel's avengers has a lot to do with that game in a sense that it feels like a really big budget like polished ultimate alliance in a sense because in a lot ultimate alliance you're like going around with your friends and co-op beating baddies progressing through the story seeing all these crazy characters fight into this world but that's the thing with marvel's avengers they're not going to be intersecting like the marvel lore and all that like it's not going to be wolverine in this because it's an avengers game but it felt like an ultimate alliance just revved up to like 100 you know so after the gameplay trailers and all that the lengthy footage of gameplay we saw the destiny influence of this game We saw gear containing different perks, modifiers, status effects, which increase damage or shrink enemies. That looked pretty cool. The UI of like the menu that you go through, like to change your gear and outfits and all that, it looked really akin to Destiny. And I don't have a problem with that, to be honest. Like Destiny really paved the way for these types of games. And I feel like if you take what Destiny did right and you know put it to your game in a honorable and like commendable way then i don't have a problem with it and this gear kind of looked like what you're working towards after every mission but i don't know i feel like the gameplay is needs to be at the center stage with this game and i don't want that to be lacking so uh they also showed the outfits going back to those this was really cool so each hero will have several dozens of outfits that will be drawing from the marvel history which also seemed like a spider-man like callback going back to the ps4 game if anyone didn't play that game there's like 40 or 50 types of costumes and outfits that all have to deal with spider-man's legacy there's stuff in the comics or stuff in the movies it's like fan service but like marvel avengers will have these fan servicey outfits that we'll be able to unlock and obviously this is a gonna be a game that progresses after the main story and uh going back to the destiny style some outfits and emotes are exclusive to the game marketplace that they introduced you know monetization similar like something like fortnite like skins and emotes and all that which i don't have a problem with really like I don't really need that and some people will definitely have no issue buying skins and costumes and you know it supports the developers so there's different missions regarding like the story or like whether you want to play with your friends and stuff so co-op missions or war zone missions are going to be like up to four players online or you could play solo with like three AI companions of like your different avengers you know. So as you're progressing through that and the story, you're going to be rebuilding the Chimera, which is the flying base hub world. And in that hub world, you know, it's similar to Destiny. I know I'm saying that a lot, but it really is like calling a lot from that game. But yeah, once you're rebuilding this Chimera base, like hub world, you're going to be talking to different vendors and different factions that uh just give you more quests and give you more gear and outfits. And I don't know, it just... I didn't really want to see that in the Marvel's Avengers game, but, you know, this is a type of game where, like, I'm not looking for this game to be a 10, you know? And I hate calling about review scores and, like, all that. I feel like those don't really give the game justice, like, but I'm not expecting a lot with this game. Like, it looks... Good. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying that this isn't gonna be the naughty dog level like Marvel's Avengers story that everyone's ever wanted. You know, it's gonna be akin to Destiny, it's gonna be akin to Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, and it might be a little more than that. And uh yeah, it's gonna be a fun ride nonetheless. So they wanted to stress that Marvel's Avengers is an original single player story, also including the Destiny kind of influence with like the online co-op missions and uh they also mentioned new heroes new regions and additional story will be added like after development with no additional cost which really spoke to me when i was like damn this game's gonna have legs this game's coming off of you know the end of a generation going into the next and having a ps5 and xbox series x like gateway sort of thing like when you could play with ps4 xbox one series x and ps5 like this game's gonna continue to gain an audience. And so this game is planned to release this September 4th. I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyped about it. This isn't one of the most anticipated games that I'm looking forward to personally. It's just a game that I'll keep my eye on, you know? I was impressed with the War Table presentation. I didn't really know going into this video what to expect, but I was pretty appreciative for what they had to show. So number two is a really weird piece of news. The New Game Plus Expo Showcase debuted catering towards a Japanese audience. Since E3 isn't a thing this year because of COVID and lockdown and a bunch of other stuff, these independent developers, publishers, companies are taking it on themselves to announce and get these games out to the public. And so with this New Game Plus Expo Showcase, the games shown were you know, games like Harvest Moon, Trails of Cold Steel 4, Yeez 9, etc, you know, and so it started off with Catherine Full Body, just a remaster of a game that was released during the PS3 Xbox 360 generation from the people who made Persona, and I'm really interested in that game, I just, I just wanted to go on sale, because it's releasing at $50, and I think it's a little too steep for that, but I heard it's a really cool game, and I'm really pumped to uh, get my hands on that when it becomes more, you know, tangible from my budget, but we're not talking about that. The second announcement that they showed was Suda 51 from Grasshopper Manufacturing. So Suda 51 popped up on the screen after they showed Catherine Full Body, right? And so he went on to uh, you know, thank New Games Plus Expo for this opportunity to, you know, be there and looking forward to different types of games. You know, he was just shooting this shit with the audience in the video. And while he was doing that, something really unusual happened. He was standing in front of this really buggy, kind of poor quality green screen in the back. And while he was commending the New Games Plus Expo showcase, gameplay for No More Heroes 3 popped up in the back. And this is really weird because Suda51 was in front of the game, you know, like in Suda51 fashion. He was in front of this poor quality green screen talking about how excited he was for the announcement of the show, while the game he's making in development is being shown for the first time ever in back of his head. You know, he's talking about the lockdown and the situation and his backlog that he intends on tackling. Meanwhile, never before seen gameplay for his highly anticipated game is being shown behind his face for like two minutes. I've never dived into the No More Hero series, but... It's definitely in my backlog. I mean, I had a Wii, but I wasn't really... During that that age, I was like really young. So I wasn't aware of like the cool games out there. I was just playing, you know, Mario and Wii Sports and all that. But uh, yeah, I wasn't really into so- No More Heroes. But as I grew older and as I appreciated the games industry as a whole more, I learned that No More Heroes was a thing. And appreciating the strange, weird, quirky worlds that Suda51 and Grasshopper Manufacture builds... I just have this deep appreciation for those types of games now. And I really am excited for No More Heroes 3. And looking at this gameplay that was just being blocked by Suda51's head, talking about trying to beat Super Mario Odyssey during the lockdown, I was just like taken aback. Like, I wasn't really taken aback because this is Suda51 fashion. Like, he's awesome. He's weird. He's just one of one. Like, no one can replicate Suda51's quirkiness. And so. I just felt like this was some weird and cool news that I'm excited about. You know, like, I don't know. It was just, it was odd. And I really am looking forward to that game and hope to see more of it. Number three on the news today is a bit of a, not a depressing news story, but I don't know. I don't really know what to think about this. So the June 24th Pokemon Presents happened and it was an 11 minute presentation revealing Pokemon Unite which is a very big departure from the Pokemon series as a whole. It's a 5v5 MOBA collaborating with Tencent and Timmy Studios. If you don't know who Tencent are, they're just this big, big, big Chinese game corporation who focus on mobile games, but they're branching out with, uh, you know, console and starting to branch out and go to different developers. So Pokemon is very renowned across the world so Tencent being involved with this is really huge because I don't know they're just a big corporation and having Pokemon under their portfolio is just another crazy thing that kind of reminds me of Disney buying up all these different types of companies and formats and like series and I don't know Tencent just scares me a little bit but Tencent's giving money to this timmy studios developer which has a 10-year experience i think making games and so they're collaborating with the pokemon company timmy studios and them they're making this 5v5 moba which is so different than the other games and it's nice to see a departure for pokemon but mobas aren't my cup of tea and so if you are a moba fan this might be for you If you aren't a mobile fan and a Pokemon fan, this also might be for you. I feel like for me, Pokemon has been a series that definitely I grew up with and I started to grow away from it to a certain extent. I know there's definitely like plenty of people older than me who really enjoy the series still, but I don't know. I just drifted away from it. But I'm definitely looking forward to their next maybe let's go game or their next, you know mainline game in the series but this Pokemon Unite just confused me so the game is being made for mobile and switch with cross play which is really big cuz mobile obviously has this ginormous audience everyone has a phone nowadays switch also is gaining more and more people are buying switches every day and switch just continues to be a great seller and this is a no brainer for mobile and switch like And crossplay too. Like this is gonna have a wide audience, and so the light in my head started to light up, and I was like, "Oh wow, this makes a lot of sense." With Tencent and Timmy Studios working with Pokemon, so in this prevents event, after they revealed like this the game and who was working with it, they gave a little like gameplay footage with like an announcer and all these Asian like influencers playing the game and. There was an announcer just hyping it up. Everyone was like yelling and they just seemed like they were really into it. And the Pokemon company, like CEO, I think was a part of it. He was just playing with all these young kids, just balling out on Pokemon Unite. And so I feel like this game is going to be really catered towards the Asian audience. I'm not trying to be racial or nothing, but like mobile is definitely the forefront of gaming there. Console gaming is definitely like present for sure, but I feel like. Mobile gaming has a certain focus there. And so, with Switch and mobile being at the forefront of Pokemon Unite, like this is gonna be a huge game, I feel like. And if it doesn't, like that's gonna surprise the shit out of me. Like, this game has to, like, it has all the cards in its favor, you know? This will make lots of money, but not a Pokemon game that I want in those types of terms. So, the YouTube video had a bunch of dislikes. The thing with me was that, you know, as you could see from my uh, impressions, like I'm not really against it, you know, I'm like, I'm appreciating why it exists, but it's not for me. So I have nothing for it, you know, but the video had over 150,000 dislikes and like 90,000 likes or something. It had a pretty bad ratio with that. So maybe the fan base is saying they don't want this, but that was just the American video. Maybe the Japanese audience had something different to say. But I felt like this Presents event didn't really have to exist. Like, they had an event that happened two days or three days prior, I think. And this definitely could have been in that video. They announced some mobile games. They announced freaking new Pokemon Snap. That is what people have been waiting for for generations, really. And so, this definitely could have been in there with, like... The same amount of 11 minutes, just put that in the previous presents event and I wouldn't have a problem. I still don't have a problem. I just looked at this and was like confused on why this was separate from the original presents event, you know? So that's Pokemon Unite and it's coming soon. We don't know a release date. Timmy Studios is still working on it. I hope it gets more polished because the game looks very cheap looking. I mean, it is it is mobile and Switch. So it it's going to have that lack of power and lack of, you know, grandiose scope for a Pokemon game. But a MOBA doesn't really need that. I, I get it. But a little bit more polish would kind of entice me to try it out when it comes out, you know. But until then, I'm going to probably sit out on it and see what the people have to say about it first. The next piece of news is a summer update for Animal Crossing Wave 1. So starting July 3rd, it's going to be a free update. They're going to bring swimming into the game. So villagers in Animal Crossing could just jump into the ocean and start diving and collecting sea creatures like starfish, eels, anemone, all that. They could donate them to expand the variety of creatures at the museum, which I was a really big fan of when I was playing Animal Crossing. That was basically the only reason I caught fish was to just run to that owl and give him all my treats, you know, and just... Wander in the museum like I was in real life, just peeping my collection of things that I caught, you know. But I drifted off from the Animal Crossing wave. I know plenty of people are still playing it, and shout out to you guys. This definitely won't draw me back into the game. I mean, not definitely. Maybe I might take a peek at it, but it seems like a cool update. Like, I always wondered why you wouldn't, you weren't able to swim, and now they're bringing it to Animal Crossing New, uh, not New Leaf, New Horizons. So, yeah. Another thing with the summer update is this villager named Pascal, who's like some otter or something, he just swimming in your ocean and just pops up and will trade you your like findings in the ocean for like certain DIY recipes. It seemed pretty cool. He seemed like a pretty cool villager and uh, I don't know if he'll be quirky or anything because he has this focus on trading and all that. But uh, yeah, that's the update. They also mentioned that Wave 2 of the Summer Update will uh, be released in early August, so look forward to that if you're into Animal Crossing, and I know a bunch of you are, so go get that. The next thing we have to talk about is the Cyberpunk 2077 Night City Wire presentation. So the folks at CD Projekt Red debuted a series called Night City Wire, which is basically just presentation that gives details on all things cyberpunk 2077 before it releases in november or at least what they're trying to nail in november the release date but who knows it got delayed once and it could happen again this game's freaking huge and i just feel very not bad but i feel for the developers because they got a bunch of polishing they got a bunch of bugs to iron out I feel for those dudes and gals at CD Projekt Red. And I don't know, it's going to be a very, very, very hard task to complete, but I hope they get it done in their their uh, deadline. And yeah. Oh, also, uh, Games Press, news outlets, influencers, just a bunch of people got hands-on time with the game, like four hours or something worth of gameplay, which is a chunk of a game. But like CD Projekt Red's previous portfolio with development, with Witcher, Witcher 2, Witcher 3, sprawling games, huge games, countless dozens, hundreds of hours you could spend in those games, in those worlds, you know? So, CD, Pro- I mean, Cyberpunk 2077 is definitely branching from that and expanding on it in a new, inventive way. So, four hours of a game is definitely a nice chunk, but it might just be a little tip of the iceberg, you know, for this type of game. So, the City Wire presentation showed. A bunch of snippets from just the prologue of the game which was the four or so hours that press got hands-on with but from what i've heard uh the prologue is a bit more than that so the sprawling and blade runner-esque world of night city that cyberpunk 27 he's having his home to they announced that there's six districts also also teasing the seventh district called badlands which was never seen before it's like a dry desert space outside the walls of night city It sort of reminded me of like, I don't know, those desert towns in GTA 5 or uh, Mad Max akin to that, but a bit cyberpunky, you know? But uh, yeah, they showed that there's different inhabitants like nomads with Badlands. There's different gangs in Night City, different types of people with their own different like morals and motives. It's a huge sprawling game with like a social ladder that I'm really excited to like analyze and like pick apart as I play the game. And so this game was originally, I mean, this cyberpunk entity was originally like a tabletop RPG. So there's like a ton of material that they could draw from with the game. So I'm really excited to see what they, I mean, I've never played that tabletop RPG, but uh, from what I've heard, those can definitely be sprawling and just endless. So they definitely have a nice barrel of subject material and characters and locations and just ideas that they could get from so they shared with this night city wire presentation like the the story that you will your character will be trying to chase is like this biochip that grants the gateway to eternal life which is such a cool like concept eternal life and immortality is definitely a thing that i'm interested in not in reality but like in fiction and all that like it's so cool when those stakes are that high when everyone's trying to chase that bit of like power and it's just a cool idea to chase and gain you know so with cyberpunk there's gonna be tons of modifications that allow more variability with gameplay similar to like the deus ex series which i heard from lots of the press outlets and like the news outlets and they just mentioned that the emphasis on modifications and the variability with like what you could do is like sprawling like it they said it's like deus ex like on math type thing something they really focused on with the night city wire presentation was this gameplay called brain dance so this section of the game is pretty weird. It was pretty, I don't know, it just differed from the rest of the game in a weird like detective mode type of thing. So in Braindance, you'll get to analyze like a scene. You'll, you'll like jump into the character who you're you're sort of like inhabiting. So you're jumping into this person's mind. You're feeling what they're feeling. They're going through what they're going through. You know, you get to see what someone else sees and like feels and stuff. And after that, you're in, like, analyze mode, so you get to analyze a scene. So once you're in this analysis mode, you'll be able to control, like, the playback of the scene you just experienced. You'll be able to speed up, rewind, pause, like, scan certain objects that have importance to, like, the quest at hand. And uh from what I've heard from an- hands-on impressions of the game, you know, this varies upon, like, what you're looking for in Cyberpunk 2077, but they seemed not impressed with... I don't know, it just seemed like this off kilter sort of mode in the game that, I mean, it fits the narrative of the game. Like you're jumping into these scenes and like these events with like crazy technology, but that can be, you know, not fun for some people and might be crazy fun for others, but we'll see when we get our hands on. Another thing that the Night City Wire presentation went into detail with was this Cyberpunk edge runners standalone anime uh they're partnering with this studio called studio trigger and netflix so in this standalone cyberpunk story both fans of the game and those who are unaware will be able to enjoy edge runners from the studio trigger people it's set to release in 2022 which is kind of a ways off but i'm excited to see what they have you know we didn't really get to see any of the, the footage of the anime at hand but you know cyberpunk isn't even released yet so I'm kind of focused on the game more than the anime, but I'm definitely interested in the anime after the game comes out and all that. So speaking of anime and speaking of Netflix original series, the next piece of news is The Cuphead Show, teased by Netflix. So The Cuphead Show is going to be taking that Fleischer-style cartoon in mind, like Betty Boop and a ton of cartoons that paved the way for that animation. And so Netflix... Uh, is hiring this in-house animation studio that's working on the cuphead show rather than the studio mdhr who developed the cuphead game yeah we saw little snippets of the show and it looked great and takes that old style and modernize it for a new like audience you know there's lots of characters and locales to take from the game going back to that cyberpunk thing there's there's a lot of subject material that studio mdhr developed and really passionately handcrafted that the in-house animation studio from Netflix could really branch off of in a really cool and interesting way. So we saw some voice actors who were planning to voice Mugman and Cuphead. So I was trying to see like what this show is going to be about and like the lore and like is it going to be just some plain Jane like kid show or is it going to be like this lore heavy like Adventure Time-esque like adventure you know not to be corny. But uh, yeah, I was browsing through the page details on Netflix and the section labels the show as a kids TV show and TV cartoons, which I love cartoons. And I was a kid once, but I am no longer a kid. I mean, people might think of me as a kid, but I'm a young man. So I branch off from that. But I hope that this is enjoyable for all audiences. And uh, yeah, I hope that this animated series isn't just some cash grab that Netflix sees in this cuphead ip and just takes it and runs with it because it's a no-brainer that this game was gonna have a animated series accompanying it at some point because the game is i don't know it just takes influence from all these old cartoon styles and like it just seemed like a no-brainer but we're seeing a tease of it and it's it's coming out 2021 and uh yeah we'll see more and be excited so the last of us part two released June 19th, and three days later, it sold 4 million copies, making Last of Us Part 2 the fastest selling piece for exclusive ever. Record-breaking sales. I just want to give a shout out to Naughty Dog and everyone who worked on this game and put their blood, sweat, and tears into this project, and I know there was definitely a lot of controversy with this game and the online banter, and this just goes to show that this game space that we indulge ourselves in isn't really affecting the sales of these games maybe even enhancing them the rest of the world isn't they're not really informed on like crunch or they're not really informed on like the subject material in this game they're not really informed on you know they're just not invested into that this space like some people are and so it just goes to show that even if there's a bunch of shit that's going on with this game it's still the fastest selling ps4 exclusive like come on man stop playing with The Last of Us. To put that in perspective, the same time frame that The Last of Us sold, it was June nineteenth to June twenty-first. It sold four million copies. That's fucking insane. And in that same time frame, the God of War sold three point one million and Spidey sold three point three million. So and all of those numbers are insane. Three days, over three million copies for all of those games. It's just on another level, you know? And so to increase that and turn that volume up to 10 with last was part two is just crazy and to see those numbers like i really wanted to just shout out naughty dog for like their continuation of quality and passion and persisting to like not give a fuck about what people say and just tell their story and not conform that for like any other audience they're telling their story and people want that story and it's the numbers speak for themselves you know there's definitely controversies. I I haven't been spoiled on the game. That's really crazy how I haven't been spoiled. The game's out now and I haven't been spoiled. I'm just, I'm evading all of that shit until I play the game for myself. I really want to form my own opinion on it because from what I've heard, like, this is a landmark in the history of gaming and like, I don't know, online banter, through were review bombing and all that while... Critics are giving it 10s out of 10s, 8 out of 10s, 9 out of 10s. I mean, I know those numbers aren't really prevalent on what the game is. But if those exist, like the game has to have some sort of quality. And I definitely don't pass Naughty Dog to not deliver on this game. I didn't want this game to happen. I thought The Last of Us could have ended there and never made a sequel. But there's a reason this game is called Part 2. It's the second you know telling of the last of us and if they made this game like there's a purpose to it you know like they wanted to do this so i just can't wait to get my hands on it and and the numbers speak for themselves so the last bit of news is a bit of speculation we got rumblings of square enix announcing several games in july and august so there was a company stockholder meeting and uh there were some quotes in there that definitely sparked some speculation within the games industry regarding e3 and their plans for that and so since e3 isn't present in 2020 as stating before with uh with no more series 3 and the new games expo plus showcase and all that square enix planned a press conference as a replacement for that but assets weren't complete supposedly so they will be announcing titles individually several of them actually debuting in july and august so they basically they're saying we would have done e three if it was a thing, but they didn't, and so things will be coming but later, and I'm all for that like i don't there's no need to rush. I'd rather have a game pop out of nowhere one day and just everyone be excited on that for like that certain amount of time. you know, Square Enix is a huge company, everyone thinks of them as Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Kingdom Hearts, and yes, those are very prevalent with square enix and don't get me wrong i want to see a new final fantasy 7 chapter i'm playing final fantasy 7 remake right now i'm loving it i'm like 20 hours in yeah i want to see a new final fantasy 7 chapter and i don't think we're getting one i think it's too early since the game released in march but even in little tease, like the fans need to hear that you know they can't just be left on pause for, like, five years and bring up, like, Final Fantasy VII, Chapter 2 on, like, PS5, you know? I mean, it's definitely gonna be on PS5, and I'm excited to see the improvements on, like, that chapter compared to this one, but the fans need to see, like, incremental steps on where this is going. Branching off of Square Enix and Final Fantasy, they're definitely a bigger company than people think they are. I mean, they have life is strange they're working with uh idos montreal and uh crystal dynamics with marvel's avengers they got dragon quest they could have a spin-off of dragon quest you know they have Tomb Raider. they have just cause they have the tokyo rpg factory they had that crazy project athia or whatever in the ps5 showcase event square Enix could do a lot right now and i'm really excited one game i really want to see is babylon's fall being developed by platinum and i really love their kinetic you know intense combat and their really flashy chaotic stuff there was a state of play in like 2019 right that showed a bit of babylon's fall and at the end of that teaser they said there's going to be more information next summer which is now and so maybe they planned on showing this in their replacement e3 press conference but Maybe one day they just drop like a big load of Babylon's Fall on us. And I would love that. Like that game looks the world looks crazy. The enemy design is just buggy. And I really want to get my hands on that game. Like any other platinum game, I just I'm just dedicated to that development company and like have my faith on that team at Platinum. Even though they've had some bumps and bruises. But as of late they've been knocking it out of the park with near Automata, with uh fuck. What's the other gonna- <laughs> what's the other game that platinum's been making wonderful 101 astral chain i really want to get my hands on astral chain and babylon's fall kind of looks similar to that in the ways of chaining certain combat moves i mean I i really want to see the technicality of babylon's fall and see how this differs from other platinum games games that really sounded weird but you know what i mean another game that i really want to see is uh a Nier Replicant teaser that they put out this year. I was a fan of Nier Automata. I haven't beaten it. I just never gotten to it. Like I really appreciate that game and everything it has to offer. But I really need to finish that. But I never got to the the first game in that series, which was Nier in the Western audience. But you might not know that there were two versions of Nier and that were sold in Japan. First was near Gasalt. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And uh, near Replicant. So Gasalt was focused on the father daughter relationship, while Replicant focused on the brother sister relationship. And so these stories are very different. So Gasalt was just branded as near in the Western audience. It was released as that. And that was the only version of near that came out in Western audiences. And so near Replicant was going to be upgraded and put onto current-gen consoles. Maybe next-gen consoles, we don't know. It was teased in March. We might see more of that in July and August. And yeah, I really want to see what the origins of Nier had to uh, say. So yeah, guys, this has been another episode of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. I don't know what I'm doing making this, but I hope someone appreciates it. And so if you do, I love you. Stay healthy. Stay safe. These are crazy times we're living in right now. And uh, I hope everybody's doing good. And with that, this has been Gamer Goes Gaming Podcast. I'll see you later. Peace.